Gates. That's a, that's a familiar name. I mean, is there anybody here who doesn't know the name Bill Gates? Has anybody never heard of the name Bill Gates? Yeah, I mean, you know, has anybody had an uncle called Bill Gates? Okay, look, he's not all over the world. He's the founder of Microsoft. And Microsoft technology is global. You know, when it comes to personal home computers, he, at least at one stage, monopolized the grid. Now, Bill Gates, this wouldn't be far-fetched, Bill Gates is Microsoft. It's so, so intertwined with him as a person, as a representative, as the founder, as the creator of it, that, you, you know, you could, it'd be fair to say you know, Microsoft is Bill Gates. The two are almost indistinguishable. And I want you to keep that in mind as we go through the message this morning. So we're in John 11. The story so far, Jesus was up north when, when Lazarus uh, was ill down south or there's way. He eventually got there. He, he didn't get there early enough, or so it seemed. When he got there, we find a situation here. Verse 21, Lord Martha said to Jesus, if you'd been here, my brother would not have died. But I know that even now, God will give you whatever you ask. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha answered, answered I know he'll rise again in the resurrection of the last day. And so we said, remember we were critical of Martha. She couldn't believe that Jesus could do something now. Immediate. Raise her brother to life. And she could believe something could happen in the future. Something way out there. You know, where you, mean, you, know, you might never get there. But she couldn't believe something could change right now. And so Jesus responds to her, look Martha. I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me, even though he dies, and if it will live even though he dies, and whoever lives and believes in me will never die. That's why I want to take our message from this morning. Sometimes we cover a whole chapter. This morning we'll just cover that one verse, or we'll try and cover it. And I mean, it's just packed. And, and, and the reality is we don't have the intellect or the ability, none of us on the planet, to, to, to really fully understand God. I and mean, who can understand God? Because this is a revelation of God. And that's something we have to understand about Scripture. Scripture is a revelation. It's a self-revelation of God. As who's prompting did this revelation come? Looking around the time. God. None of us sought him. He stepped into our world. He chose to reveal himself. And he revealed himself through the scriptures and ultimately in Jesus. And so it's always, I guess it's a bit like trying to speak to a child. There's only so much you can communicate. Scripture only communicates so much. Which is why Jesus is the perfect communication of God. Because he's a bodily, real, tangible one. We want to know what God is like. It's Jesus. And so we're going to take our heading. This is our heading. Jesus is not only the giver of life, but he himself is life. That's important here. He's not only the giver of life, but he himself is life. So Jesus arrives seemingly too late. And I want you to notice his demeanor. He's hardly rushed. He seems he's calm. The delay hasn't uh, flustered him in any sense. He, he doesn't seem to be even that apologetic. There's no sense of panic. 
or despair in this situation from Jesus. There's plenty of it from Martha. Lord, Lord, if you'd been here. But from Jesus, it's very much like he's in other scenarios. He's calm, he's collected. And I guess we have to ask ourselves, why would Jesus be so calm? When everybody's in panic, his close friend has died. And I think this is where we're going this morning. It's not so much, Jesus isn't calm in so much as what he's going to do, as in who he is. And this is the thing about our relationship with Jesus. It's not so much what he can do. It's more of who he is. And so let me show you verse 25. I am, says Jesus to Martha. Look, Martha, she's worried about a dead brother and she's hoping in something future. And Jesus says, look, Martha, I am the resurrection and the life. It's not so much that Jesus is going to do something for her and he's going to do something for her. And, and, and the confidence he wants to impart to Martha is an anchor on the fact that he can do something. Can you see that? It's anchored in the fact that he is something. Jesus is not merely a miracle worker. There's plenty of those. I've seen tons of them, really. You know, people you know, from all sorts of backgrounds. Well, not just Christianity, I mean, I mean all backgrounds. People who claim to be able to do something. Jesus' claim at greatness isn't in the fact that he can do something. His claim to greatness is in the fact of who he is, what he is. I am the resurrection. Martha, I don't just do resurrections. I am the resurrection. And so the point is, is that the hope that we all have of something in the future, of being resurrected and existing with Jesus, is to be anchored in the person of Jesus. The thing is, his point is, he is the walking embodiment of hope. So she's despairing because her brother's dead. And Jesus' point is, he is the resurrection and the life. It doesn't matter what state the scenario is that Martha and Mary find themselves. Because Jesus is there, it longer matters. You see, because he is the resurrection, Lazarus' future is no longer restricted by time. For a start. Because Jesus is the one who is the resurrection. And as long as he's there, there is no concern. John 5, well, Graham, there he is, he's back there. He read these words for us. John 5, 21 and 24. For just as the Father raises the dead and gives them life, even so the Son gives life to whom he pleases. So here's some distinction. He's the resurrection and the life. So, just as the Father raises the dead and gives them life, so the Son gives them life. Here's the function of Jesus. Jesus is able to give life. He's able to raise people and give them life. He's the one who gives life. So Ben was talking about his daughter, Sophie. Now, here's the, here's a statement. Sophie's life was given to her by God. That's what Jesus makes clear here. It's God who gives life. And as God does it, so does his Son, who is in conjunction with him. But he not only gives life here, this is ongoing life, sustaining life, he's the resurrection too. So Jesus gives life, 
At the end of time, he brings people back to life. Now, he not only gives life, gives resurrection, he tells us he is the resurrection. So, someone help me out. If he is the resurrection, how does that benefit any people? He's the one who's able to bring them back to life. 1 Corinthians 15, I think the verse is just coming up there, Naomi. This is, what, this is how it's associated with Jesus. Christ is indeed raised from the dead, the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. For since death came through a man, the resurrection of the dead also comes through a man. For as in Adam all die, so in Christ all will be made alive. Jesus' resurrection, when he came out of that tomb, is absolutely paramount. Because he demonstrates in himself that he has the power to make somebody come back into existence. And remember, with Lazarus, he came back into existence, but what happens to Lazarus afterwards? What would happen to Lazarus, Lazarus well, 30, 40, 50 years later? He would have died. And what Jesus does to himself, what's the difference between what Jesus does to Lazarus and what he does to himself? What is the key difference? Because Lazarus was a mere raising to life, and Jesus gives life, we already said that, but what he did to himself was the resurrection. Can you see a difference? There's a difference. You want to share to that people? What is the difference? Because you said yes. Yeah. Um, well, he was uh, raised to life eternally, whereas Lazarus died again. Yes. Jesus raised himself in such a state that his body was so transformed that he could no longer die. And Jesus did that to himself, and in doing that to himself, and Paul says what he demonstrates to us is that he, he can do that to himself, and he can therefore impart that. We are hoping Jesus, that he can resurrect our bodies, because the Bible testifies to the fact that he did it to himself. He raised himself to God. So verse 24, I tell you the truth, whoever hears my word and believes in him who sent me has eternal life and will not be condemned. And this is where the sermon is going this morning. All of this comes to us through faith. Through faith. There are many religions out there, aren't there? And there are many ways to God. There are many, many ways to God, so we're told. Jesus is absolutely clear here. That the way to God is by belief in Him and in Him exclusively. I'll come to more of that in a second. Do you remember the, the, the thief on the cross that died next to Jesus? And hey, let me encourage you with this. He's dying next to Jesus. He's lived a terrible life. And Jesus says to him at the end of his life, I tell you the truth, today you'll be with me in paradise. What brought him eternal life? He wasn't baptised, was he? He hadn't made amends for his bad deeds, had he? Because he's got a tie to a cross, isn't he? He hadn't gone and done penance in any form because he can't really do anything. What has happened to that man that Jesus can say, today you'll be with me in paradise? in Jesus. 
And this is quintessentially Christianity. That what made this man at one moment an enemy of God, an alien, alien from God, someone who, at least in Roman justice, deserved to be put there, what transformed his state from that to going to heaven was the fact that on the cross he came to faith. It's faith, and not just faith in anything. Where was that faith directed? In Jesus, we know because he says to Jesus, what are his words to Jesus? Lord Jesus, remember me. And so faith has both a direction and an object. The direction Jesus, the object is Jesus. Today you'll be with me in paradise. It's what Paul, who placed his faith in Jesus, who was so confident of his faith in Jesus. Look, and let me just provide a little here. However confident we are about Jesus and going to heaven, it's no, it's no reason for us there to try and speed our way there, okay? But Paul had a desire for it. This is what he says, I desire to depart and be with Jesus, which is far better. He knew that his faith in Jesus was the thing that would take him to be with Jesus, to, to be in his heaven forever. Faith in Jesus is the quintessential aspect of our of our hope in God. Look, let me move on to no, no, I'm going to skip verse 29 and just go on to verse 25. Jesus says to her, I am the resurrection and the life. Here's our point. Jesus doesn't just give us things. He is the source of those things. And we can't detach the two. Jesus, he wasn't just going to raise Lazarus. He is the source of Lazarus' resurrection. And the point is, we don't just come to Jesus to get something from him. We come to Jesus to get him. He is part. It's like, it's like you know, you give something to a child sometimes and you let go of you. Every now and then you might play a trick with them and, and, and they grab your hand and, and, and they can't get a thing out of the hand. You come with it. The thing about Jesus is that he comes with all that he provides. We can't detach him from his benefit. We don't just come to him and get better and just disappear. No, if we come to Jesus to get better, we get Jesus. If we come to Jesus to have a family situation fixed, it's Jesus we get to. If we come to Jesus to have heaven, a hope of heaven, it's Jesus we get to. Two, he can't be separated from what he gives. And so in John 17, he can tell us this. This is eternal life. What is eternal life? It's that you may know you, him, God, the only true God. What is eternal life? You know if I describe eternal life, it is something like this. Living forever, uh, having a surfboard that floats better, uh, having the sun shine on me all the time, Having less rain, uh, being able to travel intergalactically, that's how eternal life looks to me. Okay? Just so you know. Can you see what Jesus says about eternal life? This is eternal life. What is eternal life according to Jesus? It's being in relationship to God. I can't separate what Jesus gives me from Jesus. In John 6, he says something similar to the people who, who ate from him. 
He fed them, thousands of them, probably 20,000 people. And then he says these things to them in, in John 6. He goes, I am the bread of life. You see, they came to Jesus because they wanted something from him. He said so to them. He goes, you've only come because you want something from me. Look, don't you get it? I don't just give you something. I am the thing you need. You want your life to be sustained? Having me in your life sustains you. I think one of the reasons Christians, we run on empty so long through our week is because we come to church, let's be honest, we come to church to get, to get a bit of Jesus so that we can go away. That's why we're running on empty. Can you see the point? We don't come to Jesus to get a bit of him so that we can do life. We come here to hook up, hook into him. So that he walks with us through life. And there is a difference. We can relate to Jesus as always someone who's there, uh, that, that we log into, connect to at the right moments, when the right things are necessary, when the things go wrong. But what Jesus wants of us, he wants us to realise that, that we have to remain connected. He is my energy for this week. He isn't just giving me energy now to take away with me. He is my energy for the week. I cannot exist this week in faith, in relationship, without being connected to him. He is the source of everything that keeps me afloat. He is the way to go. John 14. You know the place where I'm going. And John 14 verse 6. I am the way to God. I am the way, the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. I can't have a hope of getting to God. And his thing that needs to be heard across the world is I have no hope of getting to God, says Jesus. Whatever I believe, I have no hope of getting to God. No matter what I do, no matter how much money I give, no matter how many times I attend a worship place, no matter how connected I am to any divinity of any nature, whatever that name is, Jesus makes a categorical, universal, absolute statement which needs to be heard is that I cannot have God in my future no matter where I'm from unless Jesus is in my now. That's what he says. I am the way, the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. Are we getting something of the picture of who Jesus is? Let me tell you a bit more about it. Colossians 1.16 By him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or authorities or rulers, they're all created by him and for him. If Jesus isn't in my thinking of where this universe has come from, I don't know God. It's not enough for me to say it came from God. The Bible is absolutely clear. It came in and through and by and for Jesus. Let me try and illustrate this. I'll try to come to a close a little earlier today. 
Imagine you're building a house, it's involved at the moment to build the house in Adelaide and probably across Australia because of some of the help as a result of the virus. So to build a house, what do you need? Look, I know you need many things, but here's the key things. You need an architect, a designer. You need a builder. You need materials. And you need a location. Thank you. I forgot about that one. That's not in my notes. <laughs> There you go. Yeah, you need a piece of land too. Okay, you need all these separate things to finally get to this, don't you? You need some occupants, you need a couple. Yeah, you need the money to get the material. Thank you. Yeah, I someone's thinking about money. Yeah, you do, yeah, you need it to buy material. If Jesus is that building, that building sinner, he is the architect. He is the builder. He is the resources. He is the material. He is the plot of land, right? Are you interested in land? Thank you. He is the plot of land. He is every, and he is the occupant of the house. Jesus wants us to see him like that. Not merely one element in a chain of things. You know, and in which case, you can maybe do with or without him, or compensate for him, or just go to... Look, if you're building a house, then you only need uh, the furniture at the end, don't you? You can do the rest by yourself, you know, or, or, or so forth. Jesus is every aspect. And so when he stands before Martha, hear his words now. I don't know if I've done a very good job or not, but I, I hope you get this. He stands before Martha, who's worried about her brother, the fact that he's dead... And there may be a resurrection, but it's way off in the future. And he's dead now. And she's feeling the pain now. And, and she wants to be with her brother now. And who really cares about the then? It's now. I don't know about you. When I need Jesus, I want him now. Who cares about next year? I want Jesus now. When I'm in need, I need him now. And Jesus says to her, Mark, I am the resurrection and the life. But you're thinking about a resurrection that's out there, that's distant, that's future, something they've got to wait for. I'm here. I am the resurrection. Your brother cannot be dead my company. Your anguish cannot continue in my presence. Your heartache has no place where I exist. And Jesus' message to you, Christian, to myself, to whoever may be listening, is that wherever Jesus is, despair has no place. Whatever Jesus is, hopelessness cannot be real in any tangible, real sense. Whatever Jesus is, that there is, there is no future to our realities. Whatever Jesus is, is the fullness of all that he wants us to have and experience and enjoy there, then, at that moment.
He is the answer to your prayers. And he is the source of those answers to your prayers. Both then in the future and in the now. Here's what I'm saying to you, Christian. Whatever you're praying for, whatever you need, whatever you're waiting for, whatever you're looking forward to, Jesus is that to you. Have a look, song that Jesus knows. For he's that to you now. He's your healing now. And that may not mean that your bodily condition is transformed right this moment. But he is a reality. He is your healing. And I think that's, you know, when, when, when Isaiah speaks about, you know, by his stripes we are healed. Here's the take on those verses. Those stripes are to actually heal every illness and wound that I have. Now, how that materializes in my experience may in this temporary world have some relationship to time and chronology. But because Jesus exists Beyond that realm. In Jesus, all my sicknesses and illnesses are no more. He has paid the price for every one of them. And it may, in my experience, there may be a delay in me feeling that and knowing that and so forth. But in Jesus, it's a reality. It's an end. He is my healing. He, he, Jesus is all the resources I need from now till the year dot. He is every moment of peace I'll ever want. He is every medical procedure that I'll ever need. He is a guarantee of all that. There is no lack in him. For Martha, in just a few short moments, she would know that experientially. Who knows that you and I may, even as we leave this building, know an answer to that need in Jesus right then. But whether or not he comes to me then, in Jesus, I am complete and have access to all that he is at every moment of my reality. So this is how we live our lives. In Jesus, I'm complete. I am all that he wants me to be today. And the things that plague me and trouble me and worry me now are only a matter of his ordering at the moment that he sees fit. But if there's not a thing that I am lacking in my life at this moment, that Jesus has an order for me. That Jesus has an already prepared for me. He's, all, he's already prepared to give to me. And the only thing that remains is the moment of his will to connect me and that thing. Hey, you have eternal life. Jesus says so. You have it. You have it, it's yours. 
you'll enter the experience of that at the moment that Jesus enters us. You're struggling with illness? Are we struggling with it? When Jesus says so, that will no longer be a troubling factor in your life. He is your healer. You're lacking something that you need and have the resources for? Jesus is your need. And at his ordering and at his voice and at his instruction, that will be a reality in your life. That peace that you need, that you lack this morning, is in Jesus. And his word is to be your reality. And so from now to the moment we walk out and to the moment we return, let me encourage you. Jesus. It's Jesus that needs to be on your lips. It's Jesus that needs to be in your heart. It's Jesus that needs to be the way you're walking this week. It's Jesus that needs to be the focus of who you talk to. It's Jesus that needs to be the first person you run to. It's Jesus that needs to be the first name, the first thought on your lips and on your heart and on your mind when we wake and when we sleep. It's Jesus that we need. He's not only the resurrection and the life. He is your provision. He is your peace. He is your future. He is your destiny. He is your heaven. Let me finish with heaven. Heaven for all that it will have. No doubt the new final heaven will have trees and pavements. I don't think there'll be gold, but there'll be pavements and there'll be many places to live. And there'll be bodies. It's not really heaven, is it? What is heaven? Being with Jesus. May Jesus go with us into whatever we face. And whatever you face today, remember these words and relate it to your experience. Jesus is the resurrection and the life. In his presence, I am complete. We're going to sing. And as we do, it's all about Jesus. If you're not feeling that, look, I don't always feel that. I don't feel that a lot. That's why I preach these sermons. Do you know this? I needed to hear that. I don't care if you did. <laughs> and now you can think of a pain that's going for nothing. But I needed that. To know that I need to be connected in him. Awesome. So as we sing there, only joint musicians, as we sing now, if you feel disconnected in any way, get reconnected. Stay connected. And walk out with Jesus on your lips and your hearts.